Are you going to be taking any games to the beach? Yeah, you see all the ones back here. <laughs> Those are the ones I'm not taking. We have. I, I I decided we're only going for a week, so I limited it to one crate. One. <laughs> What does a crate dictate, though? Like, like what you know, like those uh, Sterilite, whatever plastic, clear plastic things that are like, I don't know, two and a half feet, three feet, and then like, and so deep. That's I have one crate like that full of games. But normally, if we would go for two weeks, then I take two of them because we'll we'll power through with 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 Ryan going. We'll play we'll play about two or three things every day that were there. Did and you still have any, uh, yeah. with you. What's that? Yeah, yeah. Did take any oh, oh, did I take any? We bought some. I bought a couple things for Brandon at this really cool game shop in uh, one of the cities in in the Netherlands that we were in. So that was kind of awesome. That is fun. Well, yeah. hey, welcome, everybody. Welcome to the show. We've got uh, Kevin Stees, and of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Tony Granatus. And uh, yeah, you just came off a pretty a pretty significant trip with the JMU Brass Band. I did. A great trip to the World Music Contest. It's like I never knew what to call it. They said it's the, the invitation said it was the World Brass Band Championships of the World Music Contest. And finally, I was like, okay, it's just the World Music Contest. So, um, <laughs> but it was, it was a, a great trip. It was in Kerkrada and the Netherlands. And it's this sort of little town, little city that once every four years um, becomes sort of a big city all of a sudden with all these musicians and, you know, musical acts. I mean, they've got so much stuff going on there outside of just the contest uh, content that happens every weekend. It's pretty incredible. It looks um, like it's kind of it was kind of situated on like the corridor of a lot of borders. Yeah, because we're we're we were only, you know, we were I mean, I would say almost walking distance to Germany. If you just went a little bit more east and then uh, uh, Belgium's the opposite direction and sort of like this, this one portion of the Netherlands, everybody says, oh, you're going to Amsterdam. It's like, nope, that's not where we went. We were like as far from Amsterdam as you could get and still be in the Netherlands. And it's much more, it's less Dutch and probably more German in, in sort of the style or the, the lifestyle there, the food and, and things like that. At least that was my take on it. Um, but close to Belgium, very close to Germany. And like I said, this this town, uh, you know, it's like every four years it becomes this this hub for some really cool music going on. Um, they have, you know, they have they've got, you know, the contest stuff. And then there's all this auxiliary performing that goes on outside. And it's really neat. So they only, they only do it once every four years. Once every four, and then they had to wait a year because of COVID. So they, this was five years, so they're on a different. So it's kind of like the Olympics, I guess. Yeah, like the Olympics. Um, and it's cool. You know, they have the they do it all the month of July, every weekend or the contests. So the first weekend of July was all brass band, and they do a percussion ensemble contest, which I thought was kind of cool. I didn't even know about that. Um, and then other weekends, and I don't know what the actual schedule, but they have fanfare bands. And, you know, those are really popular in, in, in Belgium and in um, the Netherlands. So they have plenty of bands that want to do that. And then they have wind bands that kind of overlaps two weekends, I think. And then they also have some, and it was interesting, they have marching competitions and show competitions and parade competitions. So none of it's like what we're used to in the United States. It's, it's probably, it's considerably more traditional overall. Yeah. 
Um, but they do that at, at this really nice soccer stadium. As a matter of fact, our hotel was attached to the soccer stadium. Wow. So it's like you could go to the sky box and look out onto the pitch. I mean, there was nothing going wow. on at that point. It's this, I think it's this coming weekend um, is, is the last with all the field show stuff or whatever going on. So what do you have to do to qualify for it? That was the most interesting thing to find out. I looked at this thing probably eight years ago and thought, well, this is cool because Chicago had gone a couple times, I think, or as it was Atlantic, I know went once, or maybe it was the other way around. One of them went twice. One of them went once. And I was looking at the first section stuff, honestly, because the top section, which they call the concert division, not the championship section, but the concert division um, is by invitation only. You have to be invited to that. And the way it worked out is they look at, at, at world rankings. So I assume they're using four bars rest because that's the one most people use. Um, and they just go down the list there. And I told the band, I said, well, I think there were two other bands in our country who couldn't go this time. So I said, congratulations, we're going, we're going to go to the Netherlands. And like, Ooh, you know, it's like, you know, so they, so they look at that. And for each of the countries that they want to invite a band from, they just look at the world ranking. So um, all the other bands were in the top 25 in the world. Now is and, that, then, and then there was us. <laughs> how long ago did you hear, like, how long ago did, did you get your invitation? Before? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the invitation, and I went back because someone was asking me about that. I went back and looked and the invitation or the email saying, would I like to be invited? Would I like to get an invitation came to me in the first week of December. Which meant of this year. So, well, this, this past December. So, you know, and, and I'm, I'm looking at it and saying, well, you know, the other two bands, there were two bands that were ranked higher than we were at the time. So there it was Fountain City and Atlantic and then us. And so I'm, you know, I made the assumption that, you know, they asked Fountain City and they probably couldn't go. Maybe they couldn't get everybody together financially. Maybe people couldn't, you know, whatever, take time off and probably the same thing with Atlantic. And that's one of those things like, hey, I'll take it because it was such a cool thing to go to. But it was kind of a rush because, you know, we're getting to the end of our semester in December. You hit the beginning of December and you really have only a week and a half or so left. Um, so I bring it up to the students. And of course, you know, it's like you start counting how many of them already had commitments to a, a drum corps. Right. <laughs> so it's, it's sort of like, oops, there goes my soprano player and there goes one of my horn players. And so I had a number of uh, someone in the front row, that kind of thing came up. Um, but then I had to, before I could really do anything with it, before you could actually make any real plans, is I had to find out, A, was I going to have a band? Because, you know, with students, everybody's got plans in the summer. And B, was the university going to be interested enough in this project to commit a decent amount of money to help us go? So it ended up that I had most everyone could go. And it was sort of between the two semesters because, you know, with the university band, I'm switching personnel all the time. So I had some people that had played in the fall but didn't play at NABA, for instance, and they came back and played like one guy, my bass trombone player. He was student teaching in the spring, so he didn't go to NABA, but then he was available to go in the summer um, to this. So we had that going on. And then I had a few spots that I had to fill. So what I did was I contacted alums who had played, you know, within the last six years, yeah. I guess. Um, and we filled out the rest of the, the band that way. 
And JMU was really nice to just give you one of those JMU charter buses to take with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, you know what? You know what? It's uh, we had a JMU charter bus to drive us to, to the airport to Dulles and to, awesome. pick, and, and to pick us up on the way back. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it was really cool. I mean, the funding from the university was amazing all the way from from uh, the School of Music. You know, the director of the School of Music was on board through the dean of the College of Visual and Performing Arts, through the, the provost, who's the with the academic affairs office, all the way up to the president's office. So we had. Um, sizable amounts of, of financial support coming from various parts of the university. And it ended up working out so well that the students didn't have to pay for their airfare. Wow. So basically what they ended up having to fund themselves was just, you know, taking care of the hotel. We had bus transfers while we were there to get us, get us around from the hotel to the venue and that kind of stuff. So it was, it was amazing. And they, you know, it, it made it so affordable for them. They still had a bit of a commitment to make, but it wasn't something that wasn't doable. They could really say, yeah, I, I can be on board with this because it was it was a really reasonable amount for them. So. And especially just to do the trip for the price that you had. Yes. Probably would be unattainable ever again. In yeah. Ways. Yeah. I mean, it was so it was so crazy when I got the invite. I looked at airfare, right? Okay, and we all know what's going on. So I looked at airfare in December and I'm like, oh, okay, that's not so bad, right? I'm going like, I'm feeling pretty good. And by the time we actually contacted the travel agent that the university wants to use to order all these tickets, because you have to get 30 some odd tickets, it had gone up 50%. So that was fun. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> You don't need to eat on Wednesday because we we have to pay for the rest of the airfare. <laughs> how do how do they do the uh, the actual programming of the contest? Do they, uh, I think they do like a test piece, then a choice piece, or a choice program? It's 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 split like we're used to split like um, like the Europeans would be, but the um, the contest itself we had we had Friday of the week that we were there was the was the set test which was um heaton's contest music and they do it like many contests where the draw for the contest isn't um done until the day of the of the performance so okay. you're you have to, so it was like the thing started at 5 45 or something like that and the draw was at three okay. so i had so someone went over to the hall for the draw and then they let us know what time we had to be there that kind yeah. of thing so that was on that was on Friday. And then the program on Saturday was not uh, blind adjudication. The, that was the open adjudication for the Saturday. And, it, and, it, and you're right, it was a concert program, which maybe that's why they call it the concert division. But every band put together approximately a 35 to 40 minute program that would be that had stipulations it had you know they had to say they said in the you know in, in the rules it had to be varied um you know a varied interesting program that had to include one solo work and the soloist could be and i was surprised that this could be anybody it didn't have to be somebody from it could it could it could have been anybody i could have had anybody come and solo with the band it could, i could have had phil smith come and solo with the band um, it could have been anybody, um, but every band, and I knew that this was already the case, they always pick somebody out of the the band. I mean, it's like, you know, when when Valesia gets up and plays, they already have a world-class soloist in, in <laughs> Glenn Van Loy playing. So, oh, yeah, Glenn's, yeah. so Glenn's, you know, and so I also wanted it to be an opportunity to have 
uh, a member of the band play instead of bringing somebody else in too. So we put together a program where on, on the second uh, afternoon or evening where we did uh, um, a European premiere of a piece that a member of the band wrote, a f- opening fanfare. We played uh, Devil's Duel, uh, euphonium solo, Pete Meekins, Devil's Duel, and had uh, Andrew Rebo, who's my principal euphonium. He played the solo for that. We played uh, Philip Sparks, just a lyrical thing. We played um, Letter from Home. Philip Spark wrote that. And that was a, I, I threw that on there because that was a commission we had done back in 2008. Yeah. So I wanted to, to showcase sure. something that was written for the band. And then we played uh, the, the Paul Lovett Cooper and from the darkness that we had played at, uh, at NABA. And I really wanted to do that. One of the biggest reasons is that I knew no one else was going to play it um, because they didn't have it. And it was, and it it was new and it was something that was commissioned for, for NABA, which is cool. And Paul Lovett Cooper's exciting stuff, especially for that kind of a program. It has such a, you know, it's such a, uh, an enthralling piece and it's so exciting. I, you know, the, the crowd really ate it up when we played it, I think. So it was, yeah. So, so you, it did get a good response. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, you know, I think, I think that, that the, the general audience reaction when, when you're playing in Europe is a, is sometimes a bit more conservative than what we have in the United States, I think. But I think people genuinely enjoyed that. And I think they liked hearing a young band, a university band on the stage to begin with. Yeah. And uh, I think I think it, you know, it, it made an impact to have that piece. And again, it was because it was something that probably most of them had not even heard before, you know, unless, yeah. unless, unless they had... Right. Unless they had had the streaming. Right. You know, and I, I wasn't making any assumptions that they would have done that. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So it was it that's, was pretty cool that way. Yeah, that's really cool. I, you know, I'm very curious to see, you know, where that piece goes in the next two years. You know, right. I, every, every time I, I probably listened to that piece more than anybody else on the planet besides <laughs> Paul Lovett Cooper. Because yeah. <laughs> I listen to all the performances. I did a lot of post competition. Um, recaps by listening to all the champion well all the bands really right last sure. pass and, and evaluating eva- uh, the adjudicators and stuff like that so right you know, i've listened to, i've listened to that in from the darkness many 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 times yeah. every time i listen to it it gets better yeah yeah and the band you know i had new people which was interesting doing a piece that we had worked on so much and then plugging in a handful of new folks into it yeah. and it was it was very cool to do that and uh you know the band the band probably in some ways did a lot of things better than we had done at naba um yeah. but it was also different because we had already played for 20 minutes before we played that piece you know, because it was, I mean, it was, you know, it was a 40 minute program and that was the end of the program. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't even like you had one little short thing and then you did that. It was like, you know, a massively big con- half of a concert, basically. Yeah. It was like, it was like playing your test piece and choice piece on the same program. Yeah. We used to do that. We, I've told the, I've told the band many a time they're always complaining. And I go like back in the old days, I feel like I have to get out my walker and, and go like back when I was young. Um, but yeah, that's, that's exactly right. So it's, it, it, it was really cool. And, and it was so funny that when we played the second day, you knew what the order was going to be. And so I said, it's fine. Black Dyke is third. We come, we play fourth. Everything's fine. 
And it's like, and it's like, and it's like, I'll never worry about who I'm playing in a contest who's before or after us ever again, because it was like Black Dyke was before us. And I can't remember, you know, it was like Valencia still hadn't played. I don't know. It was just, it was nuts. It was like, and it was, it, it was almost surreal having the university band on the same stage with these other bands that, right. You know, by and large, I'm going, hey, make sure you listen to that recording of Black Dyke playing contest music because it's really a good, you know, listen to one of their 10 recordings they have. Right. Of that. And, that, and now you can hear it from backstage because you're going on next. Right. Exactly. That kind of thing. It was just it was just so, so crazy for them to have that experience. But it was also really amazing that it didn't phase them to the degree that I thought it was going to. I yeah, think kids are indestructible, man. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought, I thought they were going to maybe freak out just a little bit. I mean, I have a lot of faith in them, but you know, you get a little bit of that pre-contest nerves, but then having to walk on the stage that, like I said, Black Dyke just vacated the stage and then we're going to walk up there and start playing, but they just took it in stride and uh, really played their hearts out. I mean, it was, it was really some good stuff. I thought all the way yeah. through. Did some of the kids get to see like see one of Black Dyke's performances or yeah. it was it their first experience hearing that level of British style brass band in person? Yeah, for many of them, that is the first time that they had heard the groups live. Any of the groups. I mean, they heard, you know, Villabrook play. Um, they didn't get to hear Black Dyke play on the second day because they were right <clears> before <throat> us. Right. But, we, but they did get to hear Black Dyke play contest music because we got there early enough. So we went in. Normally, I tell them with the test pieces, I don't want you going and worrying about somebody else playing. But I said, but I said, here, just go listen. It's like I said, and and they didn't like I said, they didn't really freak out about it. So they got to hear Black Dyke play. And some of them may have stayed for the next band or two because we had a good bit of time before we had to play but um i just heard black dyke and then i went and got my head together and then we had to do our thing but I, you know they were they were astounded to be able to hear a group you know black dyke hear villabrook hear valesia play you know hear you know any of the bands that played but to hear them live um they know how good they play from recordings but hearing any group live is a completely different experience. Even if it's, even if it's the JMU brass band, hearing the band yeah. live is a lot different than, than, you know, sitting up, you know, in your room with a pair of headphones on. And yeah, well, it's always, it's always fun for brass band people from over here. And when they go to the Mecca of, of brass bands and you can hear a Corey or Black Dyke or Grimethorpe and you hear them live for the first time, it's, it's really, it's crazily inspiring because you can't replicate what the actual sound is in a room. Right. Recordings. You cannot replicate what a brass band actually sounds right. like. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like before we come out on stage for the second thing, Black Dyke finishes their program with Triumph of Time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like they've never played that before. So it was just, and from all accounts, people were just like, it was, it was amazing. They just, yeah. they, it was just like, you know, that's their piece. They played yeah. that you know, the, the notes off the page. I mean, it was just right. great. So, um, but, but the whole experience for them to be able to hear the different bands play what I really enjoyed myself, because I've heard Black Dyke play a number of times and always love hearing them, but I had not heard Valencia play live before. Yeah. And that was really cool hearing some of the bands that I've only heard recordings of like Villa Brook. It was cool to hear them play Valencia, um, that kind of thing. It was just neat to hear. Um, 
and that test piece that Valesia did the uh, oh, what is it, Gabrielli Fantasy, yeah, um, uh, that they played at the at the Europeans. I kind of knew they were going to play that because they had just premiered it. But man, that piece is nuts. So don't get any ideas, Tony. No, oh. <laughs> 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 or tell the music selection committee of NAVA, don't get any ideas. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's going to be kind of hard to top the Paul Albert Cooper. That was wickedly hard. And uh, Titan's progress is going to be a good challenge too. So yeah, you know, maybe we'll ease up next year. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, what was really cool at the, at the world music contest is as everybody had to come out and play Heaton's contest music, which is, such a compact piece of music it's very sparsely scored much of the time very minimal percussion it was basically like yep can you do this or not do this because it was just it's so treacherous yeah like that and and you know that was one that we hadn't done before um but it was one that i knew pretty well from you know a lot of listening but hadn't really studied it so it was was and and also it's a very different style piece than your band plays on a regular basis right yes very different it is it is yeah how many how many rehearsals did you have before you all went because i know like nav is a priority and then you guys kind of come out of that and you're like oh crap we have to go right (laughs) we yeah yeah we did a we the week before we left we were together the whole week so we would rehearse a couple times a day for an entire week. Like now, some of the, some of <clears throat> basically some of the rehearsals were sectional rehearsals. Um, and then as we got toward the end of the week, I eased up a little bit cause I didn't need to have a lot of fatigue before we went on the trip. But prior to that week of band camp, if you will, we had three weekends where people would come into town and we would rehearse maybe Friday night, a little on Saturday and possibly Sunday, or maybe just Friday, Saturday, or maybe just Saturday, Sunday. And I just wanted to have the experience of, of the band feeling like with, you know, considering it was new people, a good number of new people or people who hadn't played at NABA at least, but played in the fall. Um, but I wanted to have this continuity or uh, uh, this feeling of collaboration, I should say, and this feeling of comfort with one another. So it wasn't really just about rehearsing the music that much, but it was about getting the band to be able to play and have some rapport with one another. That was one of the most important things because I, I didn't want it to sound like I had this band that hadn't played together right. at all. Yeah, because none of those other bands went in there with seven ringers. <laughs> no, no, exactly, exactly. So that was really an important thing of which I stressed to the whole band is that, you know, we're getting together as much as we are <clears throat> because I want you to feel like you know each other musically. And we hung out, you know, there's a good amount of social time that they could spend, which always uh, really improves the the level of performing, I think. I mean, that's... Yeah. Certainly one of the hallmarks that I bring up of brass band playing is just that tight knit team that you have. Yeah. That and that for, for my band, it's always the Nava trip is the thing that really does that. Like it's funny how we live in the same town, but we never find time to spend with each other. And then we go away for the weekend to Nava and everybody spends all of their time the entire weekend with right. each other. Right. Like I like I was just talking to one of my players today, and he was saying that after we performed on Saturday, everybody went back to the hotel to change. And they, while they were, you know, hanging out at the hotel before they came back to the contest, they had 16 people in the band were in one room watching the live stream. 
Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 16 people. I was like, good Lord. You know, that never would have had, you can't get 16 people in my band in the same room. Together that's right. Sounds like, sounds like a bunch of college students. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah, it was great. You know, so, you know, so that's an important element that, you know, for, you know, for bands filled with, you know, work, worker types and people with families and busy schedules, you know, you know, take, takes a dedicated weekend away to, right. get to spend the time together. Yeah. That yeah. So, I mean, that was, that was the big push that we had was just getting everybody used to playing together and enjoying each other's company and that kind of thing. Yeah. And that's, that's a really good segue. Cause the primary thing I wanted to talk about in here, um, cause we, we all kind of organize or run our own bands and stuff and, and, you know, half my, I feel like half my band really wants to go and do an international trip at some point. Like they want to go and play in England or something like that. And then the other half is like, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> and administratively, it seems like a lot. And so, you know, we, we, we all know that like NAB is going to bring the band closer together. It always kind of does. It always seems like it does. Do, do you feel like, like going overseas and that, that intensity of a trip is enhances that even more do you think that's that, if, that obviously you think it's worth it because you've taken the band overseas a couple times so you know can you speak to that at all yeah i mean it, honestly this was our fourth trip in you know since the band started that we've done and we've had once particularly well twice that were more tours that included some things and then this one and then when we played at the row northern college uh, brass band festival that were more just specific to being in one location. But I, I do think it it recreates, but in a more enhanced manner, the idea of getting together and going to NABA, let's say. Okay. Um, but I but I think the idea of traveling together, and I don't know that it has to be overseas, to be quite honest with you. I, I mean, I I think there's a there's a certain thrill and prestige and just excitement about being able to do that, particularly because of the groups that we were going to get to hear and also just going to Europe and sightseeing and things. But I do remember the occasions when the band has done tours for recruiting for the university, let's say, and we're out for three or four days playing. There's much about that that's very similar to taking the band overseas, other than the fact that there's not any good food or good beer or, or Applebee's, man. Or, right. So, I mean, well, there is, but I, you know, it's like, it's not culturally, it's not the same kind of thing, but in terms of the actual trip itself, there's many things about it that are very much the same. I think that the idea of playing on an international stage has its bonuses because you're playing on an international stage and not because, for instance, this one was a competition, because honestly, this is the first time we've ever gone to a contest outside of the United States. We haven't done any, when we did the US Open once and we've done NABA pretty much ever since the band's been in existence. So this was a different kind of a scenario, but for me, it was still more of a presentation at a festival, at least <clears throat> that's the way I felt about it. And that's maybe the way I feel about when we go to NABA as well. I just want the band to play well and to make great music. And hopefully people are going to love what we do. But I do think traveling, you know, the first time we ever went, we were in England and Wales and we shared concerts with other bands and we played at the Royal Welsh College of Music and Drama and we shared the stage with Corey there and their college band there. And, you know, the, the second time we went, we were at the um, International Tube Euphonium Conference in Linz in Austria and that was cool. We just being in that concert hall in the, you know, and um, in Linz, 
And then we had four great soloists play. So that that was another way to raise the level of what went on. And then, of course, like I said, the uh, the uh, uh, brass band festival at, at the RNCM. And then this one, you know, these were also different types of events. I, I would say that the <clears throat> the trajectory of what we've done in terms of the prestige of it has certainly moved up because the first, you know, the first time was a tour and the, and, 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 you know, the second time was at a tube euphonium conference. And then the next thing, you know, we're like in Manchester, England and brass band Mecca playing at the RNCM and, you know, we're one of the featured bands. And again, the other bands are fairy band fairies and black Dyke and Greg Allison Rastrick and Corey. And then there's us. And, and it's just kind of a cool thing to be in that kind of company, I guess, but international travel, uh, to be specific, is really great, and it's not nearly as much of a headache as people think it is if you have the right setup. I mean, I highly recommend people, especially if you're touring, to get some sort of agency where you're going to have a designated and dedicated like tour manager. And I don't mean someone from the band, but like a tour guide for that, you know, and, and working with companies that maybe specialize a little bit more in music events. Um, and you can cater them however you want to, which is really cool, but there's so much that happens in country that you don't have to worry about because you've got someone who's being paid to worry about it for you. And I love that. I love that. Whereas this trip that we just took, it was me, my wife, Rhonda, and two of my two, my two graduate assistants, and then the band and the band was great. There was never a problem just getting people from point A to point B. But there was more for me to think about, or at least to, to, you know, to kind of worry about telling my grad assistants, hey, make sure everybody knows whatever. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, a lot of stress off. And not to mention that, you know, you're going to stand up and conduct and you're, you're not only are the kids playing, but you're also standing up. And I am. Yes. And these people and you're being adjudicated <laughs> as well. And, um, you know, and it's your reputation. And so if you don't have to worry about where you're going to have dinner on the Thursday night or whatever, I'm sure that. Right. That, that can be, that can be really nice. I mean, this one was much more open-ended because we were trying to make it as affordable as we possibly could. So we didn't go with a tour manager this time. Um, you know, and there were a lot of, that was more of a downside to that. Um, but the students were very resourceful in terms of finding their way around. They did the research, you know, my one grad assistant put together a whole like tour guide for the whole, the, all the areas we were going to be in. It was very, it was really good. And how many days of like, did, how many days did you get, of, did the, the students have of like free time or? Yeah, they, they had a, a, I think a decent amount, you know, we left on the 4th of July, right. Um, and we got there the next day and then you're just kind of blotto for the rest of the day. You don't want to do anything. You're like, I'm, I'll see you in the morning. And then you wake up on the 6th of July. And the first thing we did was, yeah, we had a rehearsal, um, that morning. It's like, get, get to work. <clears throat> yeah. So, so they had a day to recover. We had a rehearsal and then we spent after the rehearsal, it ended, um, around noon. And then we spent the rest of the day sightseeing. And then the following day, which would have been Thursday, 
we had sort of the same schedule. We had a morning rehearsal and then we spent that day in Kirkrada because that when they had their opening parade, they have a cool parade with local musical groups and there's an open stage outside and lots of restaurants and vendors and all sorts of stuff. So we, we spent sort of the afternoon and evening and just in the, in the town there doing that. So they got to spend some time there. So that was a couple of days where they could kick back just a little bit. Um, <clears throat> and then by that point, the next day is, Friday, which is the first contest day, we had a rehearsal in the morning. And then uh, we went back to the hotel and my one grad grad assistant um, took a cab over to the concert hall to find out what the draw was going to be. So we, we got the, we, we found out what our draw was. Um, and we were kind of late in the draw, which was kind of, I think we were second to last or something, if I remember correctly. Um, <clears throat> but so they, we did that and then we had that performance and then everybody wanted to hang out and listen to everybody else and that kind of stuff. Um, and then finally we got to Saturday and that was like the big contest day because you have a 40 minute concert. So I had nothing planned. Um, we actually that day reserved a room at the hotel, just a conference room and did sort of a, a mouthpiece performance of a lot of the stuff that we did. We weren't playing instruments much at all. Um, and then we had, you know, everybody was focused in on um, getting ready for that performance. And then the rest of that day was kind of hanging and seeing what else was going on. They had the awards that night. Um, and then the next day was Sunday and we just went sightseeing Sunday. And then Monday hopped on the plane and came home. So, so it's a good solid six day same thing or six. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we left Monday and got home Monday. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, you figure going, it's sort of a two day travel thing and coming back, you have an extra long day. Right. Yeah. And, and then, you know, not to mention that going both ways, we had things that went missing when we made transfers and stuff. So when we went, we, we, they, they misplaced, not misplaced, but they had to send three tubas on a second flight. And then we didn't get them till the night before the first day we had to play in the contest. <laughs> so on Thursday, we're enjoying the opening parade and stuff. And my graduate students are standing around and I, <clears throat> I hand them this credit card I get from the university. And I say, get a taxi, go to the airport, which costs round trip $350 to do this. Right. <clears throat> Cause it was far at the airports far, the, far. And I said, don't come back unless you have tubas. <laughs> And they were never heard from again. <laughs> That's what you, would, you would have thought. And then, and then while they, and the thing is, is I was so calm, you wouldn't even have figured out, you would not have known. Now my wife knew, but we went and, and I said, you go do this and I'm going to go have dinner. That's basically, I told them, go find these horns. And so Rhonda and I went to this really nice restaurant. We ended up meeting a, <clears throat> a trumpet player that used to play in the Aachen symphony in Germany, just over the border in Germany. We got to meet, got talking to, to him and his, and, and his wife. And then it was as soon as we were done with dinner, we paid, we're walking out. I get a text message and the message is a photo of my principal E flat player standing beside three tuba cases mm -hmm. at the airport. <laughs> and so as we walk out on this outdoor stage, there's like this, polka band playing so my wife and i just started polkaing out there because i was so excited i was so happy to have those horns so we actually had uh, one rehearsal with every instrument that we needed wow that's crazy and there wasn't any other tuba players that you could borrow horns from there with thousands of musicians running around well, i'll tell you what one of the biggest problems is that in our band we are not playing e flat and b flat tubas 
And so uh, eventually we will be playing E flat and B flat tubers. We've been buying some, but that's, but we haven't, we haven't really used them at all yet. Cause it's like, you have to do it in the fall so they can get, get used to it during the school year. So there was really no way we could borrow anything. Right. There was a, for a little while we were trying to work with, with Adams, with the Adams manufacturer. Yeah to get some instruments, but they kept thinking I needed three more euphoniums and we're like, no, I need tubas. (laughs) 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 Yeah. And so it, and so it really, you know, it was really cool that they were willing to kind of work with us. It was really amazing, but it didn't turn out that we were able to get the instruments that we needed. And then by that point we found out we were going to get our, get our horns back. So the, the students, my grad student telling me that the two of them went, my principal E-flat player went, and then the driver. And so they're on the Autobahn, right? So they're not used to going those those speeds. And then they're all crammed in this modest size car with three tubas in hard cases and four people. <laughs> and so it's going to be a story of theirs when they're like 40 and they're talking about this. Let me tell you about good. this one time. And <laughs> that I almost died with tubas. <laughs> <laughs> my, my teacher's oh my gosh. death. <laughs> right. <clears throat> you thought that was scary. You should have been on the Audubon with three people. <laughs> I wouldn't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Were you intimidated by the competition? Uh, I mean, a little bit, but really it was that trip. It was that. It was <laughs> that. I think it really was. <laughs> I, you, you jest, but I think that was actually the case. <laughs> oh, that's um, well. Um, what's next for the JMU brass band? What's, what's next year going to look like for you guys? Well, we've, we're, we're getting into, you know, getting into a new school year. So, um, audition music's out for people who are interested, you know, again, um, the band's going to change a little bit. I had people graduate, lots of some principal players leave my flugelhorn, my E flat bass, my, uh, bass trombonist, my, you know, everything changes. So we have that coming up and then we have some sort of regular concerts, if you will. Um, we'll dig into some, some things, you know, the, one of the advantages of having a university group is that I program a real wide variety of music. So we might look at something like montage by Peter Graham or something that's like, you know, rather it doesn't have to be all pops, I suppose, is what I'm getting to, which is kind of cool. So we can dig into some meteor, Lit. So we've got that coming up, a couple concerts this first semester, and then um, <clears throat> we're looking at trying to schedule some soloists with the band um, for the spring. I haven't gotten any bites yet on some uh, some emails that I've had out there, but we're hoping for for some people to come in like that. And then you know we'll have the band contest coming up in the spring. So we'll do that for the whatever eighteenth time I think now. Eighteen years. I think it's. Wow. I think it's. It's eighteen. I think it's eighteen. I think it's eighteen. What was the first NABA for you guys? The very first was Little Rock, Arkansas. That was two thousand three. See, you're good. I wouldn't even be able to do that. Today. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just know <laughs> that two was in Cincinnati. Okay, we three or four. It's had to be three, four, or five somewhere around yeah. there. So we went, we were in the open section. We had French horns. Did we have French horns? Yes, we did have French horns because we were the only band that played in that section. I just wanted, I just wanted to go. Grimethorpe was there, which was really cool. Yes, 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 um, yes. Yeah, so that was, a, that was a bonus that you wouldn't have gotten elsewhere. There, there's actually a video on YouTube of um, the tuba solo from that concert doing Chartist. Oh. <laughs> on YouTube. And it is outrageous. That's so cool. <laughs> you go check so it out. It's, it's so funny. <clears throat> Yeah. Is, uh, are you are you planning to take a uh, Massanutten to Napa next year if you get enough people to do it? 
Actually, I was just talking with my wife and I said that we're the band, that band has really shifted with the pandemic and people, I've had a number of students that have played and I had a lot of open spots, but as I've been filling the band, I have <clears throat> probably the smallest contingency of students in the band coming up for the fall. So if that holds, because that tends to be our biggest problem is being able to have the, you know, the, the right number of players. But I'm looking at doing that. I would like to to have them come back and play because a, a lot of them have asked about it, and it's a you know it's a very enjoyable thing for them to do. So yeah, it's what about seven hours to drive to Huntsville for you? Yeah, 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 something like that. It's not bad, and it's an easy drive. A lot easier than going north. Yeah, like it's all downhill on the way. It is. You just roll. You just put it in neutral and <laughs> take your foot off the brake. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I did want to ask you because I'm upset that I missed it. How was the uh, so you had the the alumni band do that memorial concert? Yes, and, that uh, was that I, was on the live stream, but it was a bad weekend for me. Man, I wanted to be up there. That oh, it would have been fun. Well, don't don't worry, um, Aaron, about alumni stuff. I'm already trying to plan some things to maybe do that a little bit more frequently. But the the alumni came back and played with Massanutten because Massanutten was the band that Bill Posey, who the memorial was for, um, played and he played in that band the most. And he also helped out with JMU on a number of semesters. So I wanted to include as many people from both bands as I could. And it turned out to be this really neat memorial service, but also a really neat uh, sort of reunion band just to have that many people come in. And it was it was it was great. I mean, we had only a few rehearsals. And we did the we did the the concert, and they sounded lovely, and uh, it was really meaningful for so many people that came back. And Sharon, uh, Bill's Bill's wife, she was just so touched that we could get that many people together. So it was a re- it was really a special thing, really a special thing to be able to do that. Yeah, I was so jealous. I was looking at you know I was watching the live stream, and I'm like looking at all the people. I'm like, oh look, it's it, and it's and it's and it's, yeah. and it's and not necessarily just people from when I was in the band, but people right. you know, from otherwise. Yes. You know? Yeah. It, yeah. It was really cool to see that. And, yeah. Uh, that you were able to put that together. That was really neat. Yeah. Thanks. It was it was so so cool just to get all those folks who wanted to give their time for that event. Yeah. So uh, we're gonna do our question of the week segment now. Oh, I didn't know. I I forgot about question of the week segment. Well, it's everybody does because no one submits one. By the way, if you are watching this or listening to this, please uh, either shoot an email or hit us up on any of our socials and supply a question for me. So I have so I can stop making them up. I'm going to run out of ideas soon. Um, But my question, since we have Mr. Steez here, who is an aficionado of sorts. Um, and this is for everybody. An aficionado of what? That's what I'm wondering. Here we, here we go. Just an aficionado. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Uh, so you just get done. You know, you're playing in Kirkrata. You just you just had a great performance. Uh, and this is for all of us. And you go to a bar and they have a, the, the unlimited supply of any beer you would possibly want. What are you ordering? I have to be honest. When I go to any country, I will tend to order sort of what the the like the the local traditional beer is so if i was in manchester it was boddington's that's what i would get every time i go there i just get that so when i was in the netherlands and we got done i had the brand of beer is literally that name brand (laughs) b-r-a-n-d pronounced brand um and it's and it's kind of just a it's just a basic pilsner 
And it was just, you know, it's, it was like in another part of the Netherlands, you might've had a Heineken or you might've had something else. That's, that's what I ordered. Now the students were getting all exotic. Have you tried this flavor? And I was like, Nope, I'm just doing, I'm just doing this. So when that's in what went in Rome. <laughs> that's what that's what I did. That's what that's what the guy from the Aachen Symphony. He had the same beer at that meal that we were at. It was like, if Hans can have that, I'm going to have it, too. So. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Tony, are you reaching for anything specific? Yeah. Root beer. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> Do you have a brand of root beer that you prefer? Nope. Nah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. If I have to have a beer, it's going to be a root beer. Dominion used Dominion Brewery used to make root beer in Virginia, which is awesome. Yeah. And Saranac Brewery in New York had made root beer for the longest time. And I would definitely recommend that if they still make it. Yeah. It's okay. amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really it's really amazing. It's funny how there could be so many different root beers out there too. <laughs> and when it I was growing well. up, there was one. There was A and W. Yeah. No. <laughs> what about you, Aaron? Uh, so, you know, when I was at, in my time at USF, we had a little German, uh, pub and, uh, called Dunderbox down the road. Um, Kevin, if you ever come down here, I'm taking you to it. Um, I'm expecting it's, it's, that to happen, <laughs> but it's like the woman, the woman who runs the place, she's a, and she makes all, all of the, the schnitzel or whatever, like every morning, like she's the person there running it. And then she leaves when like the evening activities begin. Um, and it was always our post concert hang for the, for the studio and everything. And I, th I think there, if I'm just going with the name that everybody likes, that's where I fell in love with wheat beers. It'd probably be a Hofbrau Hefeweizen. Just nice. You know, rolling with that. And well done. Where I go. <clears throat> Good choice. Yeah, I, well, I couldn't, I couldn't make you, I couldn't, I couldn't give, make you disappointed in me on that at least. <laughs> but hey, I, I appreciate you so much for coming on Kevin and, and, and chatting with us. Um, I was having a conversation because like, not a lot of people in my band, like my band has about five JMU alumni in some way, shape or form now uh, in it. And uh, so my band is acutely aware. And then they saw you there. They saw JMU. They were very impressed by the performance at NABA. And like me just telling these like wives tales of like how influential you've been to the North American brass band movement spreading, especially in the Southeast, as, as far as I know. Um and also Joel coming and working with us. And then he had things to say and everything. So uh, you've impacted this world quite immensely. I don't even think you necessarily realize it. Uh, we, we need to come up with a genealogy chart of all the bands you're partially responsible for. There you go. Family tree, <laughs> right? That, would, actually, that actually would be kind of cool. To like, see, like, to see like that. the Belichick coaching tree. Yeah. <laughs> right. But really. But really. I mean, I'd love to what, see a, that. A band in like Louisville. You've got a band. Did you have anything to do with the Nova band? coming up um not with the there are jmu alums in it although i don't know that the formation was necessarily from jmu alums but they were the charter members of the band you got another Brett. one in south carolina coming up the tampa band <laughs> right know? so it's it's a it, that's just what i know you know and i was only in the group for two years so i don't know as many people yeah it, it's it's been kind of cool because there have been a number of players that went and played Years back in a stat, very established band, Chicago Fountains. Well, Matt Vangel, who yeah. plays flugel, he started playing flugel at JMU because I was like, you should play flugel. And he's like, OK. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I mean, I announced first section. And it just, you know, every other band that would come on stage, I'm like, hey, what's going on? I didn't know you were playing in this <laughs> band, you know? You yeah. know, Matt is coming across the stage with the Dallas Brass Band or, you know, whatever, however it was. So, 
Um, yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your time with us. And um, we I really, really appreciate it. My absolute pleasure. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks, Tony. Really fun. Yeah, great time. Thanks. Thanks.